Welcome to Ballistic Radio. Join us as we discuss hard-won self-defense lessons, as well as the information you need to survive a violent encounter. Listen as armed professionals, industry experts, national champions, and gunfight survivors answer all your firearms and self-defense questions while exploring your rights and responsibilities as an armed citizen. Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. And now, here's your host, John Johnston. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. Ah, I'm your host, John Johnston. Remember, you can always, always listen to past shows at BallisticRadio.com and get the latest behind-the-scenes info, arguments, photos, videos, other stuff at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. And there's no co-host. My jacket, my, my triple lot design jacket is in the chair next to me, and it looks lovely, but it doesn't have much to say. So I guess I'm just going to have to talk back and forth to myself. It's kind of sad. But uh, we've got a cool show tonight. We are doing a Facebook user episode question thingy, but with call-ins, which I have not tried in quite some time. Uh, I suspect this one will go a lot better than the last one, though. Not that I brought ringers in. That would be unfair. But hey, before that, this segment brought to you by Lucky Gunner and Federal Premium Ammunition. Whether there was a firefight or you do, in fact, want to worry about that little guy, you need more ammo. And when it's time to restock, you can't beat Federal Premium Ammunition at LuckyGunner.com. With a shipping department that's always moving at 88 miles per hour, if I order a case of American Eagle from Lucky Gunner on a Thursday, that my doorstep ready to shoot before the weekend starts. Head to LuckyGunner.com today to check out their in-stock lineup of Federal Premium Ammunition. Remember, unless you're on fire or drowning or some other thing that I have not considered, you can never really have too much ammo. So, our first caller, it's Rick from Washington. Rick, how's it going? Good, John. How are you doing? I can't complain, man. What's your question for tonight? When, when it comes to, to gun handling and shooting and for self-defense purposes and stuff, and when do we know we're good enough? Now, granted, we all want to be better, but where, do we, where is good enough to get through most situations that we would encounter on the streets? Well, so that's, that's kind of like, that's the ultimate question, right? Um, right. You know, so good enough for most situations on the street is, and, and I hate to say this, Statistically, is no level of skill even a little bit because we've got all sorts of examples of people that were not trained, even even the tiniest bit that that win encounters just due to the nature of of the encounter itself, right? So if you look at most street level crime and you look at most self defense, uh, you know, defensive gun uses, right? It's essentially the armed citizen is ambushing someone that has no idea that a firearm is present. Okay. So mm-hmm. the dynamics there um, in, in that circumstance, and especially if we are the ones that are initiating the, you know, the counter assault, right, or, or whatever buzzword that you want to use for, for what we're doing, um, the relative superiority that we have over the attacker, um, if our timing is right, is almost overwhelming. So right. um, I think maybe a better question would be, you know, when are we good enough for the atypical scenario? And what, what does an atypical scenario look like? And I don't know. Um, 
I guess know. nobody does, do they? Yeah. So, I mean, there's some stuff that I would like to to see people be able to do. And I think that the number one thing that I would like for people to be able to, to do is to get a gun out of the holster without muzzling someone else or themselves. Okay. So that's not necessarily a measure of skill that has anything to do with uh, when and where the bullets appear in the target. But it is something that I think is not maybe discussed enough and, and goes a long way to mitigating some of the um, potential downsides to armed self-defense uh, that we don't talk about a lot, you know, so like what Claude right. Werner would call like the negative outcome. And then, then maybe the other thing to consider too is how can we not need the gun at all or how can we, um, how can we employ the gun sooner rather than faster if the gun does in fact need to be employed? So kind of what I'm getting at there is, you know, the, like Craig Douglas's concept of managing unknown contacts, right? So all the things that we can do leading up to an event or an encounter to remove ourselves from the encounter, like de-escalation, uh, deselection, which I think is is really um, when people start talking about de-escalation, really what we're talking about is is deselection. Right. Um, and then you know, if you if you really understand um, the legalities of things, and especially if you can articulate them, I think you're in a much much better place than the average person. And I would almost argue that that's got more use than, um, um, you know, being able to perform a sub-second draw on demand. Like if I had right. to pick, if I if I had to pick someone that could on demand uh, perform a sub-second presentation to a three by five card at seven yards under real-world time pressure, right? Or I could pick someone that has a subconscious uh, capability to, um, you know for lack of a better term, and I know it's not an, uh, it's not a verb, but like to muck, um, mm -hmm. to, to manage unknown contacts. And if they had a subconscious capability, um, to where they could articulate use of force law and why they were doing something, I think that put them in a much better place. Does that kind of answer the question? Well, it does. And, and, and I completely agree. We, we win every fight we can talk our way out of. Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> so, hey, by the way, I'm pretty sure this is Rick Remington, the winner of the 2019 Tactical Conference Man-on-Man Shoot-Off. So congratulations, dude. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank so, you. That was, that, that, was, that was a lot of fun. Good, man. So, hey, thanks for calling in tonight, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right. Be safe, man. So, our first caller. I haven't messed it up yet. We've got more people waiting on the line right now. I got time for one more before the break. We've got Asa from California. Asa, how's it going tonight, man? Hey, how's it going, brother? Oh, I can't complain, dude. What's, uh, what's your question? All right, my question's a little selfish because it's something I've been working with lately and kind of puzzling around with. But uh, given that someone has decided to carry a fixed blade uh, on their person, sure. uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on the placement of it on the person best way to carry it so that it can be deployed in the most uh, advantageous manner. Um, I think that depends on a couple of things, right? And so if, if you're carrying a fixed, uh, blade, uh, fixed blade centerline knife, and I assume, uh, well, you didn't say centerline, but I've already given away part of the answer. Um, <laughs> it needs to be centerline in my opinion. So forward of the hip points on either side. And the reason for that is that the primary application of a, of a fixed blade knife, for me at least, um, is going to be a, a clinch or um, um, 
you know, sort of a gun grab scenario or pretty much anything that is happening, happening inside of arm's length that justifies lethal force. Um, so I want to be able to get at it from with either hand. Now, An entangled fight. You might yeah, say. yeah, exactly. So um, as far as, uh, and this answer will probably run into the break, at which point I'll put you on hold and then we'll, we'll pick it right back up. But um, as, as far as uh, orientation and things like that, there's a lot of different ways to do that. And I think that that depends on, um, you know, your mode of dress and uh, also what kind of knife you're carrying, right? So I've got a, I got a buddy of mine that carries a legit Bowie knife every day of his life. Um, and he doesn't carry that center line. So, but that's kind of a, <laughs> that's not a knife. This is a knife. Um, and I honestly think that's why he does that. That and he's from Texas. So I think it's sort of like required by law there. Um, so like he's carrying that though, uh, vertical with the hilt up. Uh, if you're carrying something like a clinch pick or something of that nature, then you can start playing around with different orientations to where, you can conceal the grip, not conceal the grip, um, based off of, um, you know, based off of, like I said, your mode of dress, whether or not you're carrying it IW, uh, inside the waistband, outside the waistband, um, sort of, sort of like that. Uh, let's do this because you may or may not have follow-up questions. If you do, I want to find out, and hopefully I don't put you. Hopefully I don't hang up. Hopefully I put you on hold. But we got to go to break, so um, we'll pick right back up after we do that. Does that sound cool? Right on, brother. All right, perfect. So, we're answering your questions. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire America's beacon of freedom. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatterguns since 1977. A legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories, as well as the new EDCX9, which offers discriminating shooters 1911 match grade accuracy, superior ergonomics, and concealability with modern service pistol capacity and reliability at www.wilsoncombat.com. And that's the quickest I've ever read that ad. So Asa is back on the line, and uh, before the break, I was talking about orientation, sort of dependent on uh, mode of dress and stuff like that. But generally, generally, you want it to be forward of the hips. Um, and I, you know, nowadays when I carry a, uh, a knife, I carry IWB vertical in front of my left hip point. Um, it's kind of like appendix, but. Um, that's just what I do. So what other people do, I know a lot of people kind of like the horizontal, um, traditional um, placement of the clinch pick as designed by Craig Douglas, and that's certainly another option as well. So that kind of yeah, answer man, that? that? Yeah, absolutely. It definitely jives with my experience. And uh, I think another sort of important aspect there is if you're thinking about it from an entangled point of view, which was the first thing you went to, being able to access it with both hands yep. is really a, a key thing, and that's that's definitely all those things you're talking about. Yeah, and that, and that's why, uh, and I don't think I was clear enough about it, so thank you for bringing that point up. That's why I want it forward of the hips, is generally um, anything carried, uh, f generally, anything carried forward of the hips is going to be a little easier to access uh, in-fight weapon access, whether it's a gun, knife, for sure. anything, um, and a little bit easier to retain because you've got both hands to retain it. Uh, outside of, yeah, outside of weird circumstances, there's always going to be a time where it's like, well, if that had been somewhere else, it'd have been harder to get to. <laughs> but as a broad stroke answer, I feel okay with that. So, but uh, yeah, th man. thanks for calling in, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, buddy. All right, have be a good show. Thanks. Be safe. 
Adios. All right. So, two down. Let's see what we got next. We've got Tim from Texas. Tim, how's it going, man? Hey, John, long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, you're the first one to drop it on the show. That's awesome. So, and the reason for that is I haven't taken callers in probably five years. So, there is there is that before my time. Before my time. That's all right, man. That's all right. So, what 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 question you got for me tonight? Uh, So. I do a lot of training with folks, uh, for basically starting with Texas license to carry and then going on through the two or three classes that you should probably take after a license to carry class. Mm-hmm. And I've been kind of edging into starting beginners off with appendix carry. Uh, I just, I, you know, the, the ability to look it into the holster is great and sure. you know, range of motion for a lot of folks seems to be a lot better. Uh, what advice, uh, and, uh, tips would you give me things that I really need to watch out for, best practices, uh, just, you know, working with appendix carrying beginner, you know, gear recommendations, any of that stuff? Sure. Um, man, that's a multi-part question, which is cool because there's only one other person on the line right now and I'm waiting for more people cool. to show up. So I'll, I'll give this some time. Um, right. The... So from a gear standpoint, right, you want a holster that is specifically designed for appendix carry um, from a reputable, reputable manufacturer. And a reputable manufacturer does not necessarily mean they sell a lot of holsters, um, which I think a lot of people get confused by, right? So as a general rule of thumb, I want my appendix carry holster to um, be constructed of all the same material, whether that is uh, Kydex or Ultron or, you know, injection molded um, uh, or, or leather, I don't care, but I want it to all be the same thing. Hybrid holsters, in my experience, are scary for appendix carry because um, most of the ones I've seen, the backer is flexible and can fold into the trigger guard. That's, that's no bueno, right? Um, so, that. so issue number one. Uh, issue number two, absolutely needs to entirely cover the trigger guard. Needs to. Um, mm-hmm. So, and then you get into the issue of if you're carrying something that allows for weapon-mounted light, there's going to be a little bit more room uh, for stuff to get into the trigger guard. So the trigger is covered, but now you've got um, a little less um, a little less wiggle room for mistakes there. And what I mean by that is it's easier for material or other things to introduce themselves into the holster uh, for most of even the well-designed light-bearing holsters that I've seen. Um, and it's not, a, it's not a no-go for me, but it's something to consider and something to be aware of, right? So, And whether or not that changes practices, I don't know that it does because I'm going to be the maximum amount of um, risk-mitigating, actively risk-mitigating anyway, but just something to know, Yeah. Um, I generally want them to have a, uh, some sort of device or, uh, some sort of molding to help tuck the grip into the body. And I generally want them to have something on the back of the body to, uh, help lever the muzzle away from yourself, whether that's a, uh, a wedge or an add-on like the Lima mod with the uh, Dr. Scholl's pad, or even if, uh, you know, like Dark Star Gear's got the new um, Darkwing attachment or whatever that, that helps lever the the, um, the muzzle away from the body when you reholster. And, like, I'd like something like that. 
So as far as gear selection, Darkstar gear, Filster, uh, Keeper's Concealment, um, you know, JM Custom Kydex, uh, Velo seems to make a good one, uh, Five Shot Leather if you're into leather stuff, Raven Concealment, the, the Eidolon is good, but I mm -hmm. never had much luck with it, so take that for what it's worth. Um, and Henry Holsters does good stuff too. So any of those are good to go. And that's not to say others aren't, but, um, those ones definitely are, uh, okay. as far as like stuff that you are you're looking for, for the student, it's mm -hmm. how, so whether or not they're able to maintain focus on the gun when they're reholstering versus what just happened is the number one thing that I'm looking for. Um, and what I mean by that is, so my biggest indication on whether or not I will allow someone to continue doing what they're doing is how much attention they're paying to the thing in their hands that could potentially injure or kill them. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. and so you've, uh, you've been through one of my classes and you'll, you'll, uh, you'll know it. Like I try very hard and I don't always do it, but for the most part, I try super hard not to talk to someone when they've got a gun in their hand still, um, unless, mm -hmm. unless I've got physical control of the gun in their hand. Um, so I, I want people entirely focused on either shooting or reholstering. And then once that's taken care of, um, we'll, we'll go wherever we go with it, if that kind of makes sense. Um, uh -huh. then the next thing would be, you know, um, whether or not they are muzzling themselves, uh, on the, on the reholster. Um, and specifically, uh, what I mean by that is how their hands are acting, uh, whether they're able to move their hands independent of one another. What I see a lot of people do is they'll bring the gun back to a ready position. And then when they go to clear their cover garment, the gun and the non-dominant hand move down to the holster at the same time. And that doesn't work so hot. You know what I mean? I can see that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then some other things that I'm looking for in general uh, are essentially just how deliberately they're holstering. Um, you know, I, I want people to holster deliberately. I don't want them to be lackadaisical about it. I just, I, I want them respecting the gun, right? Mm -hmm. so, so those are the primary things. And I've kind of come to the same conclusion um, that, you know, for beginners, honestly, um, I like appendix carry better, uh, because, you know, the, the outcome, the outcome is potentially catastrophic no matter where you carry. And I actually think that it is easier to teach people, uh, the proper way to reholster and really the proper way to draw the gun. Uh, and they seem to, um, they seem to, just pick it up quicker. I know that's counter to popular opinion right now, but that's kind of where I'm at, you know? I'm, I'm right there with you. I've, I've been a little leery of it, but uh, it's, you know, the results speak for themselves. Yeah, yeah. So, well, anyway, um, if you guys, if you guys happen to be uh, in Texas and outside of San Antonio, if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, um, Tim... Tim, Tim reading, uh, runs an, an excellent, 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 excellent training outfit that I don't remember the name of right now, but TDR training, TDR training, TDR training. So if you happen to be around there and, uh, are looking for somebody, I can highly unequivocally recommend, uh, Tim. So, Hey, look at that. 
You're very kind, brother. Well, kind. I, I'm, I'm only speaking truth, but uh, I appreciate you calling in, Tim. My pleasure. Have a good night, John. Hey, See you th- soon. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. All right, I cut him off before he said bye, but oh well. But hey, that took us right into the break. When we get back, we've got Matt from Georgia. Um, then we've got Chris from the Pacific Northwest and Tom from Steelers country uh, with questions. So, But anyway, we're answering your questions tonight. Right now, you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire America's beacon of freedom. This segment also brought to you by Surefire. Know your target and what is beyond it. But how can you really know your target? By shining a really bright light at it, and that's where Surefire comes in. From the new 1200 Lumen EDCL 2T handheld or 500 Lumen EDCL 1T handheld to the 1000 Lumen XH30 or the brand new upgraded with the 1000 Lumens X300, Surefire can make sure you never have to yell Aziz light ever again. Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. So we're answering your questions. And we have who who has been waiting patiently, Matt from Georgia. Matt, how's it going? Hey, John. Good. How are you? I cannot complain, sir. What is your question tonight? John, I was hoping you would share with us a story about the most impactful piece of advice you've received from one of your mentors. Um, yeah, actually, I can do that. I can do that pretty good. Uh, so the very first time I met Spencer Keepers was at the first Polypalooza, um, the very first Polypalooza, and that was kind of one of my first exposures to uh, the generalized training community that I run in. This before ballistic radio was a thing, right? And um, back in the the pistol forum dot uh, com days, and. Uh, I took a live fire class from Spencer, and I, I remember I was actually carrying an M&P 45, uh, one of their carry models, so four-inch slide, full-size grip. Anyway, point being, uh, I'm running that from behind the hip uh, in a hybrid holster, and, you know, whatever, doing my thing, and uh, Spencer catches me flagging myself on the draw, my offhand, non-dominant hand, and, you know... I'd, I'd been shooting my whole life at this point uh, and had done other training, though, um, you know, not inside of that group. And I thought I was pretty OK. Right. And here I am pointing a gun at myself. Kind of not bueno. So and Spencer, uh, you know, he gets me back in the holster and he leans over and he says to me, dude, you can be better than this. And I'm like. And I don't know why in that moment that that was so incredibly impactful because it was a very simple thing, but he was just like, dude, you can be better than this. And um, at the time, that was exactly what I needed to hear was just that little bit of encouragement. And he wasn't angry with me. He didn't say I was a moron. You know, he didn't, didn't do anything at all other than, hey, man, um, Probably don't want to do that, and you can be better than this if you want to be. Uh, and that probably stuck with me. I mean, other stuff has stuck with me a lot, right? But if I have to think back as far as um, one of the most impactful statements that a coach has ever made to me, um, ever, 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 uh, Spencer Keepers, you can be better than this. So, which is funny because, like, Spencer and I have shot against each other since then. Um, 
And if uh, if I'm having a really good day and, you know, he's got like an arm tied behind his back or something like that, I can maybe beat him, you know, uh, if I cheat. But uh, no, and that was entirely, um, you know, it was certainly my work, but I wouldn't have done the work if it hadn't been for his encouragement. And right. to me, that is kind of the mark of um, at least the coach that I want to be uh, or the instructor that I want to be. Uh, I, every time, every time, um, you know, a student of mine accomplishes something that is way more meaningful to me than anything that I could possibly ever do. And I really like being a very small part of that, you know? So that's, uh, that's probably the thing that has stuck with me the most. Um, I don't know if that answers that or not. I think it does, but yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah, no, definitely, man. So, uh, I, I appreciate you calling in, sir, and I, I suspect I will see you in a few weeks. Yeah, so, yeah. But, uh, hey, you have a good night, man, all right? Take care. All right, thanks, Matt. Bye. Okay, we've got Chris from the Pacific Northwest. Chris, how's it going, man? It's going well, John. How are you? Oh, I can't complain. I can't complain. Man, you just you sound so just... Good-looking and capable. I, I don't know that I'll be able to contain myself. But what's your question tonight, Chris? Well, so I, full disclosure, I missed most of the show because I was doing some work stuff. So sorry I'm late. No, it's uh, okay. I've, I've kind of got a two-parter, um, a two-parter in case I'm rehashing something that's already been discussed and what I missed. Uh, so, you know, I know for a verifiable fact that you, you train uh, a diverse population of, you know, shooters, <laughs> whatever, you know, be it from, you know, Brand new, you know, brand new civilian shooters who are about self-defense, law enforcement, uh, you know, military, and and you might have all three of those represented in your class at the you same time that. in bad weather. Yeah, occasionally. Yeah. And so, uh, so I know uh, you and I have have discussed, um, you've discussed our thoughts on like the different training context for the different missions, right? Whether in military or, or law enforcement or uh, civilian self-defense. And you being a gracious host, you know, let me present my thoughts. But I'd be curious about your thoughts about kind of the, the finer points of, of mindset and, and technical skill when it relates to those three different missions. And if you've already covered that, um, for the trainers out there listening, what are some training considerations for training a, uh, a you know, non-homogenous training population of different types of shooters on the line? And what are some considerations and lessons learned that you, you've experienced? Um. Well, I guess let me ask a question, and then then I will riff off of that. So, uh, I I am not <laughs> I am not nearly as practiced at CQB stuff as you are, sir, and I know that to be a one hundred percent fact. But okay. some, something that has been um, sort of ingrained into me, at least in the uh, training in that sort of environment that I have uh, witnessed, the team moves as quickly as the slowest member of the team, not vice versa. Yep. Is that a general rule of thumb? Yep, it should be. If it's not, it's generally unsafe. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely right, 100%. Okay. Um, so training's sort of the same way, right? Uh, if what people are paying me for in an open enrollment course, um, in which point there are, there's no such thing as an acceptable training injury in my world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that there are other worlds where while they try really hard not to do it, and um, it's not... No one's trying to make it happen. No one's going to, it's, it's a big deal if it happens, but there are acceptable training casualties in certain environments. And that just happens to be the nature of it. Um, you, you, you can't get away from it for that kind of training. 
I don't operate in that environment. So for me personally, I'm going to default to the course of action that is most likely to guarantee um, that people aren't going to be hurt. Um, and I have to, like, I absolutely have to, from a, from an ethical, uh, and moral and even commercial standpoint. Right. So whenever I get into, um, you know, when, whenever I get into there, there's kind of two separate issues at play here. Um, there's someone's doing something and I have to pull them and I will do that pretty quick. Or there's something going on in, uh, in the environment that that forces me to readjust what we're doing and you've been present for that um and the unfortunate thing there is that if you don't have that practice in place um or if you've not considered that practice what you are left what you are left with is trying to make something up on the fly um and that doesn't go so well so from like a training course it's really easy for me to go oh, this person's head's not in the game and i need to pull them but what becomes more difficult, at least in my experience, is when something in the environment uh, that you did not plan for occurs and it's affecting the entire group and certain people might be, uh, might be cool with it and that's great, but other people aren't. And it's like, well, you know, I can't sit them down and I can't say, hey, rub dirt in it and keep going because rub dirt in it and keep going it results in a gunshot wound. Um, so that's kind of, as far as like managing stuff, um, from a safety standpoint, that's kind of what I'm going for from a, from a design standpoint, I'm trying to create things where it's challenging, no matter the level you find yourself at, because who you're playing against ultimately is your, yourself. So, um, shooting tasks are accomplishable by anyone. Um, it's just, they're going to happen at different, uh, timeframes and if someone operates inside of their uh, current capacity, they will succeed. And if they try and push past that, they will not. And that's kind of where they're at, you know. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Does that kind of uh, does that kind of make sense? No. And 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 truly, like part of part of why I asked the question is I already you know I already suspected and, and I'm familiar with part of your answer there. But I know for me, you know, I learned a lot watching you manage everybody from like you know really new shooter to you know very experienced shooter. And run a line, and I learned a lot watching you do that. And I thought so I listened to another guy talking about the, the appendix theory question. You know, sure. He's training people, and, and so yeah, I think there's probably a lot of people listening that will that'll, that'll hear that, and a light bulb will go off. So maybe they normally train law enforcement, so they want to go into open enrollment classes. And I I think there's uh yeah, that's really really good stuff, man. Help, helps me out quite a bit. Yeah. Um, you said you had a two part question. So what is the other part of that? Well, and that was that was actually you you kind of hit a boat because it was it was yeah from a content and design standpoint. Uh, at, you know, the, like how do you how do you try to tailor your how tailor your classes? And like you know, obviously with the technical handgun, it's just a shooting problem. Sure. But even with like an open enrollment, um, you know, uh, kind of we, we talked about like the different considerations at length um, previously in terms of you know for somebody who's got to close with and destroy or in the law enforcement you know community has to pursue uh you know that having plenty of ammo for example carrying a lot of extra ammo is probably a good idea where if you're somebody who's literally going to stop the life threat and get away from the life life threat in a civilian uh, uh civilian self defense context you know carrying you know 14 mags in their in their you know on their belt and in their go bag probably not as important that kind of thing as far as advice that you would give people for further context when something came up today and it made me think of you because huh. uh, you're really good at talking context i was wondering if you had any thoughts on that for, for anybody listening as far as trainers go but i think you i think you hit it out of the park man. i think you basically answered 
answered all my questions. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. And I think the thing, too, is that it's very um, – and, and so, like – it, we got about a minute and a half in this segment, so I'll try and answer this, then I'll hang up on you and take the next question. But, like, the, it's super easy for us to get so sucked into our own world that it's difficult to realize that there are, there are other worlds than these, um, you know, and not to quote Stephen King and the gunslinger, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I just did, so whatever. Um, you know, and, that, and that's the deal, right? Because a lot of the stuff... Um, you know, for instance, I'm playing with a bullpup rifle right now, and it is absolutely horrible for anything that I want to use a rifle for, except having a, a really small rifle. It's really good at that. And like, um, and I'm, you know, cause everyone, um, everyone's sort of like, oh, bullpups are crappy. And I, I see what they mean, but the one thing that it does that's really kind of nice is it's a rifle in, in a package that is not rifle sized. Um, and it's like for certain contexts, I can sort of like twist my head around and squint one eye and like, oh, I get it. And like my immediate knee jerk reaction is like, oh, well, this is kind of, brr. but like, and that's just kind of like a, a gear example of it. But does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I, I appreciate your time and, uh, you know, enjoy listening to the rest of the show. Hey, thanks, Chris. You be safe, man. All right. Take care, brother. All right. So we've got two people on the line, which should work out really well. We're answering your questions tonight. I got to go to break. When we get back, more Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire America's beacon of freedom. This segment brought to you by BigTexOutdoors.com. BigTexOutdoors.com is the best place for you to find all your everyday carry needs at the absolute best prices. Maybe you need all the lumens from Surefire at the lowest price? No problem. Spend too much time alone in your room and need an RMR in your carry pistol now? BigTexOutdoors.com has those. Glock accessories? Yes! Fast, cheap shipping, 100% hassle-free returns, all that and more. And best of all, BigTexOutdoors.com has Ike. He's a good man. And Thera, I like Ike. Everybody likes Ike. And you'll like Ike, too. Visit BigTexOutdoors.com today and find out what happens when every customer is a friend, not just an order. So we're answering your questions tonight. And uh, we're in the last segment. So joining us from Steelers country, it's Tom. Hi, Tom. How's it going? Uh, it's going great. Actually, uh, just listening to your last advertisement, I placed an order with Big Techs last night and had tracking by the time I woke up this morning. Hey, look at that. Ike's pretty awesome. Yeah, Ike's a good dude. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So what is your question, sir? It's kind of a two-part question. Yes. I don't know, I don't know how complicated it's going to get, um, but I'll hit you with it. Why is Dio the best Sabbath singer? I guess I guess I could just nailed it with one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Why is he or is he? Yes. It, well, who is? Which we know it's it's deal. Yeah. Why? But why is he the best Sabbath singer? Well, the reason why. Um, here's the question I like to ask, and I, I'm only I'm only spent a couple minutes on this because then we'll get to to James who is on hold. But um, you know how when Dio took over for Ozzy, Dio sang all of Ozzy's songs live in concert, and there's all these videos. <laughs> of Dio singing Aussie songs. And it's and weird. So good. Yeah, and they're awesome. And it's weird, though, because if you get on the YouTubes and you do the Googles and whatever and you look for Aussie singing Dio songs, there aren't any. And you know why that is, Tom? Ask me why that is. Why is that? He can't sing them. Yeah. Because he's not a good singer. 
and is essentially the Britney Spears of heavy metal, an excellent performer, not so artistically gifted. Just my opinion. Well, not but, sure that can be argued. But, you know, I'm right and everyone is wrong on this. And the fact that I got, uh, you know, the Henny Caranos, a.k.a. Amigo the Devil, in the middle of his set to tell everyone at the concert of his that I went to that Dio was better than Ozzy, and specifically tell Jack Clemens that because Jack was wrong on this count, um, it's kind of actually one of my proudest personal accomplishments, Tom. <laughs> just just saying, you know, just, just putting that out there. That's all you do, that ain't that bad. Yeah, I mean, I, you know what? My greatest accomplishment over the last six, almost seven years is just really, really doing more to further the Dio is better, better than Ozzy education. So that's, that's where I'm at. It, you, you said there was a second part to the question. Oh, no, it was the, I screwed it up. It was, who is the best singer? Okay. It was, that was difficult to ask because it, it felt stupid asking that. Oh, okay. So out of curiosity, you know, if, if someone were to put in a, a code on a certain website for a discount, what would that code be and what website would it be? If somebody decided to go to darkstargear.com, Dio is better might save them some money uh, until Tuesday. Hmm. Dio is better at darkstargear.com. Hey, look at that. We, we have reached, we, we have solved the Earth's problems. So I appreciate <laughs> you calling in tonight, Tom. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, be safe. You too. All right, bye. So I think we got time for one more. We've got James from Brookville, Ohio. James, how's it going, man? Doing pretty well. I don't know how I'm going to follow up with that question, though. I, I, man, I know you pretty good. I think you can do it. Hey, man, I've been listening for a while. You know, I really appreciate the time you put into your show, so I just have a little quick question for you, and it depends on how much time you have left. No, I, I, got it, I got like four minutes, so I think we're good. Okay, that'll work. That'll work. So I am curious what maybe a couple things are you're either focused on this year, maybe a couple goals you have set for yourself, and then why you have those particular days. Um, huh. So this is going to sound really, really weird, but like one of my goals um, would be to hit uh, wheel pose and yoga on demand with very little effort. Uh, so that's something that I'm working on right now. Um, another one would be, uh, hmm, what's something I want to do right now that I can't do yet? Huh. Uh, as far as like shooting goals, um, I'd still like to shoot a 300 super test at some point, maybe eventually. I'd still like to get a fast coin, but honestly, most of the goals that I am um, really wanting to work on are I'd like to be a better instructor. I'd like to be a better instructor. I would like to be able to um, run classes better. I'd like to be able to run lines better. I think that for me, that's kind of my my big one right now uh, and is what I'm trying to focus the most on. And, you know, um, that's kind of where I'm at, at least in a shooting perspective. Cool. You know? Well, I'm looking forward to uh, taking your arm parent class in June. So, well, yeah. So you guys see you, some improvement on that. Yeah, you guys are hosting that. But, like, as far as, you know, and, and here's something that I kind of struggle with. Um, I, you know, I don't know the correct answer, right? But a lot of times we look for, like, these arbitrary measures of success. And 
I don't know that they're ever going to be enough of those to really accomplish what I would like to accomplish. Whereas when somebody, uh, when somebody takes the time to be like, Hey, you know, this was impactful to me or you helped me accomplish this or something like that. It seems to be a more, um, like a more fulfilling thing and like a better, maybe a better measurement of success. Right. Um, yeah. Because if you if you look at what we do, like and especially in the shooting game, at a certain point there's going to be fall off. I'm not going to be able to grip the gun as hard as I was able to. Uh, not going to be able to move as fast physically. I'm not going to be able to see as well. But if I stay on top of it, and if I if I stay sharp, and if I constantly, constantly, constantly try and improve myself, um, I can only get better as an instructor. Hopefully, and that is that is my ultimate goal. Um, and that is sort of what I am starting to shift my focus to is spending more time on how to get better at that. All right. You know, so I don't know. That's kind of like an esoteric answer, but that's, that's kind of the answer. Um, that, and I'd like to get a D and D group together around my house. That's a, <laughs> that is a separate goal though. So it's on a side note, huh? Yeah. You know, kind of tangential to everything else. I think it'd make me a better person, but, but that's what I got, you know? So cool. All right, man. I appreciate it. Hey, no worries, dude. I appreciate you calling in. All right. Have a good night. All right. Be safe. See you. Bye. Okay. That is that is all of the callers. And we got about, oh, I think three seconds left until the music starts playing. Pretty close to something around 30 seconds like that. Yeah, 30 seconds. All right, thanks, Mario. Um, I just want to take a minute, guys, to say thank you so much to this last episode of, uh, of this season. Um we're making some changes, going to be some cool things happening, but I super appreciate uh, getting to live the life that I get to live. And I could not do that if you guys didn't listen and if you guys didn't support the advertisers and thank them for supporting me. So uh, as always, if you need anything, hit me up. I will try and get back to you as soon as I can. Uh, but please don't think that I don't know what you have done for me and my family. Uh, and I cannot thank you guys enough. So make sure you all check out our website, BallisticRadio.com. Like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. And hey, keep leaving those five-star review on iTunes. really helps us out. And remember, you can check us out on Spotify now. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe.